welcome back to another episode of the Back in Session podcast with your host, Ryan Stevens and Ryan Demare. What's going on, Ryan? Well, I think I uh, I have to congratulate you. We are back. We did have a little bit of a hi- hiatus. Past few weeks were, were kind of hectic, but for all of our listeners, I'll be the one to announce that Stevens' little one is finally here. Yes, yes, he, he Congratulations made his. to Thank you and you. Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he made his entrance, grand entrance into the world last Monday and missed my birthday by about 12 hours. So I <laughs> uh, almost had to share a birthday with him, which I would have loved. Um, but re- regardless, you know, um, certainly life changing and looking forward to, uh, you know, this new normal that we're we're adjusting to right now. Well, I know all of us at Dwayne Morris are very happy for for all three of you um, and Gidget, of course. I don't want to leave Gidget out of the the conversation. Yeah, um, Gidget, Gidget the Yorkie is just staring Gidget at the me York, right now. Gidget the Yorkie is just staring she's like at it's you. she's like it's lunchtime. Like, why are I, you still like on the on a Zoom with with uh, Demara? <laughs> I, I yeah yeah I do have to say though I do hope that Amanda wins out on most of the sports fights <sighs> when deciding yeah. which team Little Jackson's going to root for, but. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. She she told me she'd give me the Giants, the the New York Giants for football because I'm just diehard. Why would Giants you do that fan. to them? Well, I mean, you know, if I have to suffer, I need someone to suffer with. <laughs> so we you know we both agree on the Philadelphia Flyers for hockey. So those those two sports I think are decided. You know, I'm a big Yankees fan. Amanda's a big Phillies fan. So we kind of butt heads there. The the sport that I'm surprised she's given me a lot of grief about is basketball. I'm a diehard New York Knicks fan, especially now that the like the Knicks are like doing well relatively this year. Like I'm, you know, well, not that he'll remember this year, but um, hopefully this is the start of you know the next Knicks dynasty, um, and he can enjoy that. Uh, unlike I really had not been able to enjoy anything with the Knicks <laughs> in my life um, that I can remember at least. So um, she's a Sixers fan, so we're kind of kind of battling over that sport the most, to be honest. That might be her way to try to get under your skin a little bit. Yeah, that's also. I think it might be more about that than anything else. Yeah, and if you know Amanda, that's probably true. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, thank you. Appreciate the the kind words. And um, between that and you know sessions starting up around the country, you know we've just been super super busy over here at Dwayne Morris. So to all of our diehard listeners, we apologize we haven't put an episode out in a couple of weeks. Um, but we're we're back into the swing of things now and. You know, we have a, we have a really great episode that we're looking forward to here today with John Anzer, uh, Vice President of Public Affairs at the Pennsylvania Chamber. Um, you know, really, really excited for for what John has to say. And we've both known John for years um, going on, at least for me, a decade now, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but we both got our start in campaigns, um, same time, same area of the state. So known John a long time. Great guy. You know, John a long time. My first boss. Um, First boss, yeah, yeah. So definitely don't envy him. <laughs> and he still, t- I was going to say, and he still talks to me. So actually, so, so he's the one we need to blame for. He's, he's one of the ones to blame. Yeah, for for bringing you into this world one of, of one of the politics. Ones. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no. Anyways, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get right to it. Uh, here's our interview with John Anzer from the Pennsylvania Chamber. All right, John, welcome to the Back in Session podcast. How are you today? Good to be here. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, of course. How's uh, how's the new year going so far? I know there's a debate on, you know, how late you can say Happy New Year, but uh, I haven't talked to you, so Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we're well past that that threshold, but um, 
It's uh, it's going well. I know you uh, you just welcomed uh, a new son, and I'll be uh, joining you with a daughter here in a month. So I think our New Years are uh, about to be drastically different than uh, <laughs> year, the year before. But uh, it's it's been going been going good so far. Yeah, no, glad to hear. Very exciting. You know, we're growing the growing the uh, the future political leaders right here in Pennsylvania. So <laughs> I would not uh, wish uh, that on either of our of our kids, Ryan. Hopefully they become doctors. <laughs> yeah, doctors, uh, you know, pretty much anything. Hopefully maybe a professional sports player. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for for our listeners uh, sake, you know, you're right now you're you're working at the Pennsylvania Chamber. Uh, you're the vice president of public affairs. But before we get into, you know, what you do at the chamber and what the chamber's up to these days, really want to take a step back and talk about, you know, your, uh, I guess, roles before this um, and sort of how you got to the chamber. So the other Ryan and me, we know you very well going way back. I mean, we came up in the same around the same time in Pennsylvania political circles um Demera, i think john was your first boss yeah so right? so all of our listeners know john dish and everything he's done since also had the distinguished honor of being my first real boss out of college <laughs> he probably tries to forget that part but <laughs> well can, yeah. can you yeah go ahead sorry yeah no it's uh it's it's good to reconnect with you guys um worked with you both i uh, probably over the last decade now um in various capacities um, Ryan Stevens, I remember being, you know, traveling all over Northeast Pennsylvania with candidate petitions, working together on on various races. Ryan Demara, the best hire we uh, we made on the uh, the 2018 Senate race, uh, and you had the toughest region of the state to cover, being in the Southeast, but um, did a great job. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a interesting um you know i guess it's been a, about a little over 10 years now um since i started in in politics and things have obviously changed a lot um you know my first job out of college was working in the administration of governor tom corbett uh, and i started uh, really as as just an assistant to one of his deputy chiefs of staff uh, who interestingly is now my current boss, the president and CEO uh, of the Pennsylvania Chamber, Luke Bernstein. Uh, but we uh, we oversaw the Office of Public Liaison, which was responsible for really coordinating a stakeholder engagement to help advance the governor's legislative agenda. And uh, it was a really interesting time to get involved in, in politics. Uh, I started about a month before uh, we passed Act 89, which was the transportation funding bill, which um, has kind of become a, a political target for some over the, the last several years, but really was um, kind of a historic piece of bipartisan legislation that brought together non-traditional allies from labor to transportation groups to conservative Republicans and, and Democrats um, and what was really a, an overwhelmingly bipartisan piece of legislation that was good for for Pennsylvania and the in the business community. Um, you know, fast forward to today, I'm kind of back in a, a similar position where 
uh, at the chamber, we're really focused on building that sort of broad-based consensus to to advance policy that's that's good for Pennsylvania, good for businesses, and and good for the people of the Commonwealth. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit about your you know start in campaigns and transition to Congress, serving as you know eventually chief of staff down there in D.C. Um, I think our listeners would be curious to just hear about you know campaign life versus life on the Hill. And then we can get to, you know, how, how life is going here in Harrisburg. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, uh, so the, I started in the governor's office in 13 and uh, his term ended in 14. So it was about a two year stint there. And then I, I did a, a brief stint in the state house communications department uh, before leaving there to go work uh, for Congressman Lou Barletta on his reelection campaign um, to the House. And that was really my first uh, time working on a campaign. Um, if I had one regret, and, and I counsel young people all the time who want to get into politics to, to start working in campaigns, that is really where you get a crash course in in how this business works and a chance to develop a really broad array of skills that you just don't get the opportunity to develop uh, in other roles in, in this industry. Um, so I started out as his political director, which was kind of a nice way of saying, you know, sort of responsible for everything. Um, in an off-year congressional campaign, you're really focused on uh, building up your political contacts, sort of mending the fences with campaign committees, uh, I should say county party committees across the district, and fundraising. So um, from there became campaign manager, and that's Ryan where uh, I think we first met was working up in sort of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton part of of the state, and um, Congressman Barletta was one of the early endorsers of then candidate Donald Trump. So we uh, we actually co-chaired his campaign in Pennsylvania in sixteen, uh, helped put on a lot of the rallies and coordinate a lot of the ground game efforts. So it was a really interesting election cycle um, to to not only be involved in. Uh, a congressional race, but but very engaged in uh, a presidential that that ultimately uh, President Trump won. And you know, I don't think I think if you asked Congressman Barletta uh, back then if Trump was going to win, he would have said yes. But he was probably one of the few people in the state um, with that opinion. So when he did win, uh, you know, then President President elect Trump made Lou uh, a member of his transition team, which meant, you know, typically as an operative, you guys know this, you, you can't wait for election day because it, it's zero to 100 up until election day. And then you finally get that that moment of peace and, and ability to rest. Well, uh, serving on the transition team, we immediately just sort of kept kept moving into uh sort of that phase of of helping trump gather resumes and populate his his administration with qualified people um and that was really a two three month process that um felt like a campaign um in and of itself so 
uh, it was a really interesting time. I was in my early twenties then, and just like pinching myself, how, how did we end up here? Um, and from there, uh, ended up going down to DC, uh, in early 2016 to work on the Hill as a communications director, uh, in Congressman Barletta's office. Um, it was my first time working in DC full time and, uh, was again, like a surreal experience being a young guy working on Capitol Hill, um, for a member of Congress who was very close with the president and the White House and getting to see all of that. But then one day in, I believe, July or August of that year, I was about six months into working uh, in the congressional office. Lou called me into his personal office and said, I need you to pack your car and go back to Pennsylvania. I was like, am I, are you firing me? What did I do? And he said, <laughs> uh, he said, no, uh, we're going to run for Senate and I need you to, to get the campaign up and running. So, uh, so I did, I left the office. I went back to my apartment, which I shared with another guy and packed up my, my Honda Accord with all my stuff that I could fit and, and drove to Harrisburg and, uh, a couple of weeks later, we we had announced for for Senate, and um, my official title at that at that time was sort of political and communications director. And as the campaign went on, and and Ryan Damara, you you know this all too well. It was a, it was an interesting race. It was an interesting cycle. Twenty eighteen was not a great time to be a Republican on the ballot in Pennsylvania, particularly one that was so closely aligned and tied to the the incumbent president um, as Congressman Barletta was. So, but we dealt with it. And um, by the end of the race, I had sort of been elevated to campaign manager and was on a bus with, with Ryan and, you know, other members of our team traveling the state. And uh, ultimately we weren't successful, but I think that was maybe the best experience I've had professionally um, you know, losing's never fun. And and that was a brutal campaign, but just the amount of lessons we learned and, and skills we developed, I think, uh, you know, really without that experience, I wouldn't be where, where I am today would, you know, would not have gone on after that race to, to manage another congressional election, which was a special election. It was the first special election of Nancy Pelosi's speakership. So, um, while it was a Trump district, both national committees were very engaged in that race. And uh, we were we were successful, went down to D.C. with Congressman Keller as his chief of staff. But, um, you know, all of that was possible because of the 2018 Senate race, as, as crazy as that sounds. So um, and Ryan, I know, uh, you know, we both probably have the white hairs from that that campaign to to remember it forever. But yeah, just just a few. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, losing losing's not fun uh, by any stretch. Right. But to your point, you do like I learned a lot. I mean, you were great to work for the team. I learned a lot from and I got to do some things on that campaign that I've think I've taken those lessons to what I do now and what I've done in previous roles. And I don't know that I would have necessarily had the same experience or gotten to do all the things that I, uh, I was doing sort of right out of school like that. Yeah. I, th I feel like you get to do a lot of cool things like working campaigns. I mean, you sort of evolve, you're always trained to say yes in campaigns. Like someone asks you to do something, you just say yes. And I remember 
after Trump won in 16, I was called into into uh, the office of our deputy executive director at the state party at the time. And he's like, hey, uh, president elect Trump's coming into town to Hershey for this rally. We need drivers to like drive in like the motorcade or whatever. And I was like totally nervous, like had no like I was just wasn't prepared to do that. And it was probably uh, the coolest thing professionally that I've gotten to do, um, you know, drive up to the plane, to the to the Trump plane and uh, take some folks over to the rally and got my Secret Service pin to, to you know, memorize that situation. So I'm sure you guys have, you know, similar you the, stories. You get the R pin or the S pin? You know, I actually don't even remember. I haven't looked at it in probably three, four years. So I'd have yeah. to go downstairs and look at it. I've got both saved in a shoebox somewhere. You know, that's it's funny, Ryan, that your story about driving in the motorcade, one of the the highlights of, of the last 10 years that I will always remember was during that transition period after the, the November election in 2016, uh, Congressman Barletta was being considered briefly for a, a cabinet position. Um, and I got to drive Lou to New York City, to, to Midtown Manhattan, to Trump Tower, to meet with uh, Trump in, in his sort of kitchen cabinet of advisors to interview for the cabinet. And I'll never forget just the protests outside Trump Tower as I'm driving Lou's car through like rush hour traffic. Trying and that to was a big car. It was a big car and I was not a great driver. Um, Lou would be the first to tell <laughs> he you did, that. He did always talk about that. Yeah. I think that you you kept getting elevated, but the one thing that you kept getting downgraded from was driver. You it's started crazy. driving less and less over the course of the yeah. trip. Um, so just like surreal experiences like that, that, um, you know, I, t I would tell, like I said, people who want to get involved in in this, this world, um, in fact, I just helped a, a young kid get a, a job on a campaign as a body man. And that is the best job in politics, being a body man, because you get to see and experience things that field directors, even communications directors and political directors don't get to experience because you have such close proximity and access to the candidate and in our just with him and or her and getting to see things that, um, you know, other people on a race don't get to see. And um, as a young person, that is just invaluable experience. You're kind of the 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 uh, sort of the gateway uh, to the candidate for for all points of a campaign and internal and external. So, um, yeah, it, driver doesn't sound sexy, but it's you know, it, it's an awesome role. Yeah. So John, you've worn a lot of hats over your career. You've always been a great role model and mentor mentor to me. And I know a lot of other uh, younger Pennsylvania operatives as well. Knowing everything you know now, given everything you've done, what's one thing you will go back and give, you know, 22 year old John Hanser advice on if you were starting today? Yeah, probably the same advice I give 22 year olds who ask me for it today, which is don't be afraid to take a risk early in your career and do something that seems way out of your comfort zone and and don't be afraid to fail. Right. Um, I think that's what I learned on the 2018 race is failure is okay. You learn from it. Um, it's not, it's not necessarily 
the failure that defines you. It's what you learn from it and, and how you get through it. So, um, you know, I, there's a lot of opportunity. Like if you want to work in politics, you can work in politics. There are campaigns at every level from the presidential down ballot looking for hungry, dedicated, smart people. You just have to be willing to put in the time and the work uh, and, and, and oftentimes get out of your comfort zone. Right. And I think if, if I could go back and talk to the college senior, uh, John Anzer, I would tell him, um, that was like 2012. I, I'd have told him, go, go, you know, sign up with a presidential campaign in, in Iowa and live on a, on a futon or a air mattress and cut your teeth. Right. Because, 33-year-old John Anser is never going to do that, but um, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience that just the contacts you'll make, the experiences, and the skill sets you'll develop are are, are invaluable, uh, you know, to, to not just working in politics, but working in really any industry. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really great advice. When I graduated college, uh, my senior year, I was working two part time jobs to help pay for college, uh, working in a golf pro shop up in the Poconos and working at an auto parts store. Um, and I was looking for, you know, political science degree, trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do with my life? And, you know, really, there really wasn't anything, um, you know, worthwhile at at the time. So ended up, you know, getting connected with the state party for a job out in Center County and took a took a chance, you know, was out of my comfort zone moving halfway across the state, you know, me and my buddy, uh, Dan Hagen, uh, who's now work works at the Capitol uh, here in PA, you know, we both went to college together. So we both got jobs at the same time. We rented out probably the worst apartment ever. <laughs> um, and I slept on, I slept on a cot for, I think two weeks and then an air mattress the rest of my time. So yeah, I think that's great advice. And then at least like switching, switching back to, to your time in Congress before we talk a little bit about the chamber, um, you ended your time in Congress as chief of staff. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that was like? And, um, you know, I, I think Congressman, former Congressman Fred Keller, great guy. What was it like working for him? I was awesome. In fact, I talked to him this morning. I talked to him yesterday. One thing, as you both know, when you work for somebody, you never stop working for that person. Um, they're always your boss. Same with Lou Barletta and uh, and now Congressman Keller. They're both very good friends. Um but, but Fred's an awesome guy, one of the smartest people I've ever met, um, most really, I would say, genuine and engaged, the type of person you really want serving in Congress. You know, he didn't graduate from college, didn't even attend college, um, worked his whole life in, in a factory and sort of worked his way up to manage a factory, actually is now back in that factory um, now that he's not in Congress anymore, just like how many members of Congress leave Congress and then go back to working in a factory, right? It's just, it, it just the representation of America that you want working in DC. Um, and he was the type of person who, who was a great boss because he allowed you to really do the things that, that he hired you to do. So as chief of staff, I, you know, I came in, right off of the special election in May 
of 2019. Um, we got elected May of 2019. We're sworn in the first week of June of that year. And it was just Fred and me. And it was the middle of, a, of the appropriations process. So, you know, he and I are in his office until like 2 a.m. reading through appropriations bills because Fred has to read every piece of legislation. And he's asking me for advice on how to vote. And I've got no idea. Right. I mean, I'm a campaign guy. I don't I've never gone through the appropriations process. So I'm calling leadership staff asking for help. Um, so that was a whole nother sort of, uh, you know, type of crazy that, that wasn't necessarily the type of crazy you experience on a campaign, but, um, just staffing up an office. We had three district offices in Pennsylvania, the DC office, uh, you know, we had to, to hire employees and put a team together all while, while voting and representing uh, the people of the 12th district. So it was a really fun experience, uh, got to learn a ton, got to really dabble in every element of a congressional office. You know, I oversaw the campaign and, and our fundraising efforts, um, but also the legislative and communications and constituent service side of things. Um, it was a really fun, fun and interesting job. And, um, you know, when I was, moving on from from that office uh and thinking about what what I was going to do next um I considered going to other offices as chief of staff but it's tough when you work for someone as as great as 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 Fred who you both know and everyone has to call him Fred even the interns called him Fred it's tough to go and work for for somebody else another politician because um it's just not the same so that to me, it was time to to move on and, and come back to Pennsylvania, where I'm from, and, and still have family and friends. It's funny yeah, you mentioned. It's funny that you because. mentioned that about uh about calling him Fred because you know just out of respect and and habit, I kept referring to him, particularly during the 22 campaign cycle when I was seeing him a lot. I just kept calling him Congressman Keller. And I think about the fifth or sixth time he had to tell me, like, stop calling me that. Call me Fred. I finally got the message. But yeah, that's uh can definitely attest to that. Sorry, go ahead, yeah. Brian. I was gonna say I was gonna say the same thing, actually. Yeah. First first time I, I talked to him when he was elected to Congress, called him Congressman, and he just like gave me this look like, you know me, like call me Fred. <laughs> yeah, so he's the best. John, uh, shifting gears some more to your your current role, tell us a little bit about the Pennsylvania Chamber. Uh, all of our listeners heard about the terrific dinner that you guys just put on featuring Bradley Cooper uh, a couple months back. But talk a little bit about your role there uh, and just a general overview of the chamber and the membership and uh, what you guys represent. Yeah, so the, the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry is the largest broad-based business advocacy organization in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have 10,000 members from sole proprietors to Fortune 5 companies um, in every industry, uh, every part of Pennsylvania. Um, so we're really the voice of business in, in the state. Um, really, our focus is on advocacy, you know, working with the legislature and the governor's office at the state level on, on legislation that will help business and their workers here. Um, my role, which is kind of interesting, I, you know, obviously coming from a, a campaign and, and 
legislative background. Um, I actually don't do a whole lot of government affairs stuff. Um, so as VP of Public Affairs, I oversee our events. I oversee all of our membership and I oversee our communications and marketing. So there's some overlap with with our government affairs work, but um, we have a separate government affairs team uh, that's led by really the the best, most professional lobbying folks in in the state. You guys know a lot of those people. They're they're awesome. They they're just like consummate professionals, um, and I think really well respected to get stuff done. Um, we're not a partisan organization. We we're the party of business. We say. Um, so if you're a Republican, a Democrat, and, you know, willing to support policies that will help businesses invest, grow and hire here, we're willing to work with you. So, um, it's been really refreshing, you know, coming from the world of partisan politics, uh, and coming from Washington, DC, where everything is partisan. Um, and, and that's only gotten worse, I think over the last 10 years, um, to an organization like the the Pennsylvania Chamber, which really prides itself in being bipartisan and you know working for a cause versus a party, um, and I think people are are ready for that here, particularly people in in industry and in, in business owners and and people who go to work every day. You know the average person, right? The people who aren't watching Fox News and MSNBC every night, or you know. Uh, sort of rapidly supporting one party or another, you know, and, and that's the, that's the majority of people, I think, are the people who just go to work, raise a family, um, and want government to work. And and that's really who I think the Pennsylvania Chamber represents. I just wanted to add to, uh, to what you said, that the Chamber has a great government affairs team, consummate professionals, like you said, they know what they're doing. Um, always enjoy seeing them and hearing what they have to say. Uh, regarding you know policy developments and the chamber's take on them um speaking of that john can you maybe talk a little bit about some of like key policy priorities that that the team over there is uh currently focused on and really how those priorities align with business interests in the commonwealth so our legislative agenda we think about it really in three buckets uh and if you think about the three buckets they all kind of fill uh, a larger bucket which is how do we make Pennsylvania more competitive, right? How do we help businesses do business in Pennsylvania, invest, hire, grow, overturn this, this cycle of population loss that we're facing, which as we all know, has, has repercussions for, for our state. We, we lose congressional seats because of it. We've done that for the last 10 decades we've lost a congressional seat in Pennsylvania because we've we've either stag stagnated or lost population. Um, so we're really, our legislative agenda seeks to, to stop that. And, um, you know, the first bucket is really tax reform. Pennsylvania has a, a very uncompetitive tax climate right now for businesses. We've started to, to make progress in changing that. Back in 2022, uh, we spearheaded the effort at the state level to reduce our corporate net income tax, which at the time was 9.99%, was the second highest CNI rate in the country, only behind New Jersey, which Ryan DeMara, you can attest, 
you don't want to be second to New Jersey in anything. Um, and if if we're just, I, t- I take offense to that as a native New Jerseyan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. Know that. Well, you're you're Pennsylvania now, so you yeah, can, yeah, you can exactly. Ryan Ryan left New Jersey when he was like ten, and always likes to remind us he was born there. <laughs> Yeah, I got, so, I got I got the gold cross he kept, here. To, to he kept that, the sports yeah. fan. <laughs> so sorry to interrupt. No, you're you're sticking up for your home state. I I appreciate it. Um, so our so our CNI is now on a glide path. Hopefully, um, it has to be approved in each each budget. Um, but but on a path to to be four nine nine at the end of twenty thirty one, which would be um all things staying current the eighth lowest rate in the country so that's a huge step in the right direction our cni rate has been a huge red stop sign for businesses looking to invest uh you know secretary rick seiger uh the dced secretary will be the first to tell you um because he's he's talked directly to intel uh, which recently made a decision to invest, I think, $100 million uh, in site development in Ohio for, for chip manufacturing. Uh, they did not even kick the tires on Pennsylvania because we, A, lacked available sites, but but also because of our CNI rate being so high. So that's a huge opportunity loss for, for the state. So we're really focused on continuing to bring our corporate tax structure in line with those states that are seeing uh, a lot of investment, right? Um, So that's really the first bucket. The second bucket is regulatory and permitting reform. And we've had some success this this session in making progress on these items. Governor Shapiro, really, I think one of the first things he did when he, he came into office was uh, enact a, an executive order on permitting and licensing reform. And our CEO, Luke Bernstein, uh, joined the governor at his press conference, spoke at the press conference to, to really talk about the partnership between our organization and government on, on these efforts. Um, you know, there were, I think, thousands of different offices responsible for permitting and licensing at the state level. And the governor's you know, already taken big steps to streamline that process and and get it down to only a couple days, uh, which is great. We have legislation that w- we've worked on that's passed the state Senate that would codify the governor's executive order and take additional steps to help with uh, streamlining the permitting process here. Um, but that's another, you know, as, as Pennsylvania is looking to take advantage of a lot of the federal infrastructure dollars that are coming down from Washington as the, as a result of some of these big legislative items that were passed in the wake of COVID, um, we really need to first enact permitting reform so that we can actually get projects moving um, and really maximize those federal dollars. So that's really the second bucket that we're focused on. And the third is 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 workforce development. And unlike the first two, this is a little sort of nebulous. It's it's not as cut and dry. Um, there's a lot of things that go into addressing workforce development. We've worked on issues that are non-traditional chamber issues, like 
criminal justice reform, helping reduce the recidivism rate and get reentrants back into the workforce and find them jobs and, and allow them to develop skills so they don't do that backslide into crime. Um, that's a bipartisan issue. That's an issue that um, despite sort of the partisanship in, in Harrisburg and D.C., uh, the parties have been able to come together and actually get legislation signed into law. Um, so that's one that's been one of the real bright spots that uh, that we've worked on. Um, the other's career and technical education, really investing in sort of the non-traditional educational pathways. Um, four year career, four year universities are great. We have many of them among our our, our membership here at the chamber. Uh, but the career and technical schools are really doing a great job filling some of those those workforce gaps that exist, um, particularly in the trades. And um, we've really been calling for increased investments uh, in, in that space. So, um, you know, collectively, again, tax reform, workforce development and regulatory and permitting reform make up sort of the chamber's competitiveness agenda. Yeah, so John, looking into your crystal ball a little bit, how do you see the role of the chamber continuing to evolve and, you know, good opportunities uh, for both your role and for Pennsylvania businesses moving forward? So it's been exciting, really, over the last year. Um, you know, we don't agree with Governor Shapiro on everything, but we really appreciate his focus on competitiveness. And he, he just unveiled uh, a 10-year economic development plan for the state, uh, which has a lot of good stuff in it. Some of the stuff we don't agree with, but but a lot we do. And um, it's refreshing to have a governor who's finally talking about making Pennsylvania more competitive and actually putting together and rolling out a plan to make us more competitive. So um, like I said, there's a lot in that plan we like, but there's a lot missing that I think the chamber can take a, a, a big step forward, working with the governor's office, working with the state legislature and help to fill some of those gaps. For instance, tax reform, that's not in the governor's plan, but it's critically important for us to reduce our CNI, um, do a number of other things like uncap net operating losses, which essentially allows businesses that are just starting up if they're experiencing losses because they're hiring workers, they're investing in equipment, in buildings, machinery, and may not be seeing profits early on, it allows them to deduct some of those early losses against their, their taxes. And that allows them to reinvest in Pennsylvania. Um, that's a bipartisan issue. It's gotten bipartisan support in the state Senate. Um, you know, those are the issues that the chamber is really focused on driving to the forefront that that really is our lane. Right. The governor's talking a lot about site development, investments in target industries, um, education, all things that are vitally important. Um, we see our role as bringing these other issues to the forefront and bringing together the administration and, and the state legislature to get those done so that there's this really comprehensive approach to making Pennsylvania more competitive. Yeah. And I can say as members of the state chamber, you know, we really do appreciate all that, that you and, and your team uh, really do on behalf of, of all of your members, really. Um, you guys certainly are busy. <laughs> um, 
So I would definitely appreciate it. But uh, really, you know, we like to wrap things up with with a fun question, fun topic. And we're approaching March Madness coming up and uh, coinciding with March Madness. The last couple of years, you guys have been doing a bracket of your own. Are you rolling that out again for 2024? And can you maybe tell us a little bit about it? We are. So this is a really fun initiative that we launched actually for the first time last year. Uh, we call it the coolest thing made in PA competition. So uh, like I said, last year was the first time we ever did this. We actually stole the idea from the Indiana chamber. They did uh, a, a coolest thing made in Indiana contest that didn't really coincide with March Madness. They do a big annual event at the end of the year. I think similar to our annual chamber dinner, um, but it, it's public voting and they have people vote on what they think is the coolest thing made in, in Indiana. So we took that concept and sort of married it up with the college basketball tournament um, and decided let's turn this into a bracket. Uh, last year we had 32 products, um, a mix of everything from Yingling beer to the Sheets MTO. Ryan just pointed to his, his sweater. He's got a Yingling lager uh, sweater on. I love it. I got a hat behind me. Um, they actually went to the final four last year, but I think lost to Mrs. T's pierogies in the final. Ooh, four. One ooh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Wow. It was the battle of Schuylkill County. Uh, it was very controversial. Oh, yeah. It was they they each had like twenty five hundred votes, uh, but Mrs. T's had one more. Uh, it was very controversial, but um, so we had we had fun stuff like that. We also had uh, PA made steel. We had the astrobotic lunar lander, which uh, was the the mm -hmm. spaceship essentially that just went to the moon. Um, Harley David motorcycles, channel lock flyers, Martin guitar, all the cool things that that are made here in Pennsylvania, a lot of which I didn't even know were made in Pennsylvania before this competition. Um, and and when we launched this last year, it it just took off. I mean, people loved it. It it ended up getting over 30,000 votes on just Twitter X, I guess it's called now. Um, it had 1.2 million social media impressions on Twitter. We reached over wow. a million people through broadcast news stories. We had over 50 print stories written about the competition. Um, it was something like $100,000 worth of earned media. That was all free. It was all organic. Um, you know, there was no sort of money put in to promote it. It was just sort of word of mouth and the media caught on to it and, and, and ran with it. Um, so it was great. We did get some criticism from the Philadelphia Inquirer, kind of in a snarky, uh, fun way, but their, their complaint was that we didn't have enough, uh, products from Philly, Philly in the contest. Um, we had cheesesteaks, we had Asher's chocolates, we had a lot of stuff, but I think the lesson we learned there was there's a lot of cool stuff made in Pennsylvania. So this year we've expanded the bracket from 32 to 64 products. So we're currently in the, in the process of soliciting the public's input on what should be in the bracket. And we 
plan to roll it out uh, this year's bracket in the next couple of weeks, probably early March, right before March Madness kicks off. Yeah, Ryan and I always like to brag whenever we have guests on from other states how incredible Pennsylvania is. And I think the the bracket's a really great testament to the geographical and, and different types of diversity we have in the state uh, industries, how incredible Pennsylvania really is. Well, I have an idea, uh, Demara. Right when the when the when John and the team releases all these sixty-four uh items, I should say, or cool things for the bracket, I think we should do a podcast episode. Maybe bring a couple folks on and we can we can debate it. That'd be great. Yeah, John, where can the public go to submit? Uh PAchamber.org. You'll find a submission form there on our website. I will say, though, I don't know when this is going to air. Submissions close today, close of business. Um, we've been soliciting now for about a month on, on social media and and on our website. I will say if, if folks really feel strongly about uh, a certain product, let us know on, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Comment on our on our page and we will certainly keep. Keep that in mind as as we finalize the bracket. Um, you know, it's interesting. Last year, what was very evident based on the results was that Pennsylvanians vote with their stomachs. The final four was all beer and uh, the Permani Brothers sandwich ended up winning mm -hmm. the whole thing. Um, so we're really trying to to come up with sort of diversity and, and not just region of the state but but food manufacturing uh that sort of thing but pennsylvanians man they just they love beer and they love sandwiches with french fries on top apparently i mean who 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 doesn't really yeah not to not not to even get into all the candy and chocolate that we have with hershey yeah. and yeah so peeps. cool yeah peeps peeps too crayola which i didn't realize crayola was in Yep. Easton, PA. Um, my wife and I actually, when we first started dating, that was actually one of our first like dates was to the Crayola factory in Easton. Um, so yeah, but no, thanks, John. Appreciate, appreciate everything. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and, um, you know, our, our listeners, I think are going to be very intrigued by your story, by what the chamber's doing and definitely looking forward to seeing uh, this bracket come out soon. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me guys. Always great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, thanks John. John. And that was our interview with John Anzer from the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. Uh, really had a great conversation. Hope you all enjoyed listening to John and really hearing what he had to say about his, you know, his career getting to the chamber. Uh, you know, he's done a little bit of everything from, you know, working for a governor in Pennsylvania to working in Congress, working campaigns and now in the private sector. Um, great, great story. Love to hear what the chamber's up to. Um, any closing words, Ryan? No, always great to talk with John. And I know we've talked a lot about some of the things they've done, you know, events in the past. I know I went to their dinner a couple of months ago. The whole team over there really is terrific. Yeah, and I'm not sure for our listeners uh, who've gotten this far, you know, uh, by the time we do post this voting, probably will be closed for their uh, bracket. Um, at least for determining who's going to make the bracket. I know they're going to be, you know, opening that up to the public once the picks actually come out. So we're excited to uh, to look at that when it comes out. And, you know, maybe we'll maybe we will do a, an episode, you know, just talking about 
who at least we think we, at Dwayne we could Marks. have a debate we could we could we can we'll bring on to... the different companies and yeah host our own host our own debate i'm sure john would love that by the way but... yeah yeah we'll figure it out but anyways i uh, really really enjoyed the conversation and thanks to those who have made it this far um yeah until next time when we will be back in session Thank you.